I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Um, I am here with uh, my lovely co-host Rebecca and today, (laughs) hey Rebecca, (laughs) Uh, and today we are uh, talking a little bit about blended families. So, um, you know, families where there's a step-parent, possibly step-siblings, that kind of stuff going on. And it's funny because I um, in our episode about uh, blended families, you know, I kind of posed the question like, is blended families a good term? Is there another term? And my uh, my friend and guest and editor of this podcast, uh, Tom, Tom Zalat and I said uh, that like they they are a step parent and also a step child and they don't they were like, I don't like the term, but like also I don't have an alternative term, but like to me it sounds like i'm being put in a blender and like you shouldn't put a family in a blender i was like i appreciate that it's not like gently fold in it's like blending it's like violent it's a violent word um so hey if anybody has oh go ahead i was just gonna say i like your gently fold in homage yes it's creek there just gently fold in um but if anybody has if any if listeners if y'all have words that you use um in lieu of that that you like or that you've heard of that you like please please let us know comment um email whatever contact us in some way um and uh yeah definitely let us know because i think it's funny because i you know i was like planning this episode and i happened to be in a kid one of my kid lit groups on facebook and someone actually asked that same question they were like is there a better term um and everyone was like we don't like it but we don't know (laughs) um so yeah i'd be interested to hear if anyone has terms that they use that they like better um but anyway, uh, so I guess I guess we'll jump jump into talking about it. So I found this topic very difficult to find books for, find good books for, <laughs> even I mean books period. But then like good books, um, I felt like a lot of the books were like this is my family and this is what it's like, and like and also just like not in a good representation way. Like there could be books like that. Um, like Heather has two mommies, for example, that's like, this is how my family is and it's okay. Um, that are a little like after school specialty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even the ones that were like that, I found that the representation wasn't good. Like there, oh gosh, I couldn't, I can't remember the name of it, but there was, there's one that's like, there's at least two books one about divorce and one about blended families, I believe. Uh, It's like a series. I don't know if it goes further than that. Um, But it's about this like little kid and he sort of like goes home with one of the, like with the kids to like learn about their families or whatever. And it was a, you know, a step family and they had like, so there were like maybe six kids of varying ages. And at one point they were, you know, the older kids were making snack and it was like kind of hectic. And the kid was like, is it always a circus? And I was like, ugh. (laughs) so rude yeah and then like the kid was like yeah like there was no uh, like that wasn't like addressed at all that like hey that's rude don't call my family a circus <laughs> like i don't know i just was like Bleh. um but anyway so all that to say that there were a lot of books that i was not happy with um i uh so i have basically one book that is more a story about um 
a blended family. And then I have another book that is a, a book about different kinds of families that includes blended families. So um, the first book that is sort of more a narrative about the family uh, is called The Ring Bearer. And it's um, written and illustrated by Floyd Cooper. Uh, and it's it was published in 2017 by Philomo Books. Uh, and basically, it's about uh, a little boy named Jackson, and he's going to be the ring bearer at his mom's wedding to his stepdad, Bill. And he's kind of like, worried about like, it's so funny, because in the beginning, you know, he is kind of like pondering, like, how's my life going to be different now, whatever. But mostly he's worried about messing up being a ring bearer. <laughs> like, that's the thing that he's like focusing on right now is like, oh, gosh, am I going to mess this up? Right. And so, you know, but also, like I said, he's also thinking about like, what's it going to be like to have a stepdad and a stepsister. So like, the first the book starts, you know, Mama is having a wedding and Jackson is worried. What will it be like to call Bill dad and share stuff with Sophie, his new little sister? Things won't be the same around here anymore. So that's like, that's just about as much as he worries about that. And then the rest of it is just like, am I gonna mess up this ring bearer thing? Um, which I actually really liked that it wasn't focusing on that. I feel like there's sort of two ways to look at that. One is like, well, maybe he's just like not, you know, as concerned, like, you know, he has a good relationship with them. He's not as concerned as which you can see later in the book that he has a good relationship with, with Bill, the stepfather and the, and Sophie, the sister. Um, but like, you know, maybe he's just like not, not as worried about that aspect of things. Or like, I feel like sometimes like me, like I can only worry about one thing at a time. Right. So like, maybe you're like hyper-focusing on this and then tomorrow I'll worry about my relationship right. with Bill and Sophie. Like, he's something else to stress about so he doesn't worry right? about like, the fact that he's gaining all of these new family members. <laughs> but that felt really human to me. Right. Like it felt really human to me to be like, oh God, I can only focus on this now and I'll worry about that tomorrow. Um, like it just felt like very natural to how I kind of cope with things. It's like very much like what's happening today and I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, so I actually kind of have to deal with. So my gosh. But anyway, so. So most of the book is really about him worrying and, you know, he's practicing with his grandfather and, you know, whatever, and everyone's kind of encouraging him. And, and then, you know, finally, when the big moment comes, like he does fine, but his, his new little sister, Sophie, who is the flower girl, uh, trips, you know, trips over, there's like a little step and the line is something like, you know, Jackson saw the step, but Sophie did not. Uh, and, and, you know, she, she tripped over it and he catches her and kind of like saves the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it, uh, right after that happens you know he gets up to his mom um you know who's the bride and at the at the altar and it says when mama gets to the end of the aisle she bends down to next to jackson you're a great big brother jack she whispers sophie is lucky to have you around uh and then at the end the last page um and the last page says looking at mama and sophie and bill and grandpa jackson is not worried anymore he's not nervous when he reaches into the pocket into his pocket for the rings he's not nervous when he gives them to mama and bill and when the preacher finally says they're all a family now jackson knows deep in his heart that he doesn't have to be so nervous about important jobs and he definitely doesn't have to be nervous about being a big brother um so what i really liked about that was also like it's not like you're a man and wife it was like you're a family now mm. um uh, which I thought was cute. I mean, in the sense that like, not like they weren't a family before. I don't know if that has a connotation of like, they weren't a family before. Um, but it's like two separate families becoming one, one family. But I like the idea of that instead of like, you know, it being about it being about the family and not being about just, you know, the parents. Right. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I just overall, like, I, um, I, I mean, I talked about some things that I liked about it already. First of all, uh, it's a black family. 
um, which I found in a lot of books about this specifically. It was like all white families, um, not even like mixed family. Like it was just all white families in a lot of the books I was seeing. So I was happy to see a book that featured a black family. Um, also, I really liked that like they show in a couple of scenes in the book that like he has a really good relationship with Bill, with his stepdad. Um which I really liked because I think a lot of times it's like, I don't like this new person coming into my life. And like, you can have so many, I mean, just like you can have uh, any kind of relationship with a parent. You can have any kind of relationship with a step parent, like any kind of parent, you know what I mean? Like you can be close, you can not be close. Um, you can like them. You can not like them. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know, like I'm very close with my mother. I wasn't very close with my father. And like, that's fine. And like, I'm not super close with my stepdad. And like, that's fine. You know, like, you can have different relationships. But I think often the way the relationship be between a stepchild and step parent is portrayed is like very like, there's a lot of tension and, you know, a lot of like weird stuff going on. And that can be true for some people. But I think that there isn't a lot of representation of like strong relationships um, between stepchild and step parents. So I liked seeing that. Right. It's like the right, like time in memoriam, right? Like the fairy tales. It's all about like step fam step people coming in and trying to tear apart your yeah. relationship with your biological or your kind of um mm -hmm. family of origin, right? Like Yeah, absolutely. A long a trope. A trope that has been long being used. Either children being um uh left abandoned or um uh, orphaned or like step parents coming in and trying to destroy something is like mm -hmm. yeah so it's nice yeah. to see some some narratives that combat yeah that. get out of here cinderella um <laughs> that's like the only thing i could think of when i was thinking of like step parent media i was like mm, that's not great that's the first thing i'm thinking of. and it's like all of them right it's i think yeah. white it's also her stepmother yeah, that's true um and probably many more that are escaping me yeah right no good well i'm thinking of this isn't where like I mean, she literally kidnaps her, but Rapunzel, like Mother Gothel. Oh, right, right. Isn't necessarily like a step parent per se, but like a parent figure. Right, a product. That is not the kidnapper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kidnappers and child killers all, you know. Oh my God. What are fairy tales? Anyway, <laughs> that's for another episode. <laughs> um,. But yeah, and like I said earlier, I really liked that the main worry wasn't about like, oh, what's this new family going to be like, but, but like he's really hyper focused on what's happening now. Um, and I liked the idea that, you know, either maybe he wasn't too worried about, you know, that, you know, maybe he has a good relationship with them and he's not too worried about that already. Like, because, you know, who knows how long they've been together for, right? Um, and how long they've been kind of acting as a family unit already. Right. Uh, like he's already a big brother. Like he's already, yeah. he already knows how to do this. And so yeah. having the imagery of the the formal event, be this, mm -hmm. this event that prompts him to like have these new worries and then work through them um, works really well. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, and then really the only room to grow I have is like, there's not much of a plot. Um <laughs> But like, I, I don't know, I still think it's a sweet book. Um, if you're again, if your kid is like, action packed, plot heavy, you know, kind of l likes those kinds of books, maybe not the book for them. Um, <laughs> but I still think it, it, you know, it says what it needs to say. And I think it's a nice representation, um, like po a nice positive representation of, you know, sort of a step family. Um, so yeah, I like that one. Right. Um, and Floyd Cooper, um, he is the winner of three Coretta Scott King Honor Awards for illustration. Oh my gosh. 
and he's worked with like Joyce Carol Thomas and Nikki Grimes. So he has a long, rich, um, uh, you know, canon of, of books that he's illustrated and then also some that he's authored. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. to look more into you're you're the researcher. I'm just like, ah, oh, it's by this person. <laughs> um, so thank you always for that uh, supplementary info. Right. And, um, he, I believe, and he, he is a black man. Yes. So it's his own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next book that I want to talk about uh, is called Family Is, and it kind of doesn't have an author. Like it's authored by the publisher. Like there's no author credited but there's an illustrator credited so i don't know uh i don't know how books work um (laughs) i probably should uh but anyway so it's by clever publishing uh and it's illustrated by katya longi uh and it was published in 2020 so it's pretty new and i actually kind of stumbled upon this on gosh and now of course i i should keep track when i do my research it was on one list that i found but um it was kind of on an obscure list that I found, like it was hard to track down. Uh, and even when I had the name of it, it was hard to like get access to it. So um, it was one that I hadn't heard of, which, which I was excited about. So basically it's, it's a board book for younger readers and it's a counting book about different kinds of families. Um, and I'm just gonna, it's just going to be story time with Seth. I'm just going to read it to you because it's a board book. <laughs> I will sit back and enjoy my coffee. Okay enjoy your coffee so it starts my family is everyone i love and everyone who loves me together we are one big family and it shows you know a bunch of different kinds of people um there's actually someone with a service dog um and just people of all different um races and there's you know all hanging out together uh sometimes there are just two of us my dad and me so you know it shows um the kid playing with their dad uh sometimes there are three my mom my little brother and me so again you know it shows that's two single parent families that it's showing. Um, in my family, there are four, my two dads, my older sister and me, and there's uh, a family of color with two dads and they're playing Jenga. Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm lucky because I live in a family of five, my adoptive parents, my sister, and my brother and me. And they're like taking a walk on the beach with some ice cream. Uh, our family is, a, is growing. There are six of us, my dad, my stepmom, my stepbrothers, and a half-sister along the way, and me. A half-sister along the way, and me. Um, and this is a, a, shows a, um, a family. The father is white, and the mother appears to be uh, Indian. She's, she's heads up Indy. Um, and then there's, and she is currently pregnant, um, which they say earlier. I'm not just making assumptions. Uh, and then the, the three kids are playing. Uh, and then the next page says, I get to play with seven in mine, my two moms, my favorite friends and me, which I love that they include friends and their family, like chosen family. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was so sweet. We are all, di- we are all so different, but that is what makes my family of eight so great. My great grandfather, my grandmother, or I'm sorry. Yeah. My great grandfather, my grandmother, my aunt, my dad, my cousins and me, um, which I appreciate that they included like extended family. And I am never bored since there are nine in my family, my foster parents, my foster siblings, and me. Um, and they're in this grouping. There's like a bunch of kids of different uh, different races. There's a kid uh, who's a wheelchair user. There's a kid with a service dog as well. Uh, and then the last page reads, there are 10 in my family, all special, all unique. Who's in your family? Um, so yeah, I really, really like this book. I love that they include like... Uh, they include adoption, foster care, and uh, step families. 
um, which I think is super cool. Um, there's a lot of, like I said, just like inclusion in the illustrations. There's a lot of uh, just different kinds of people. Um, I always love when I see someone with a service dog. Like I feel like that's something that's underrepresented. Also, dogs are great. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really, I thought this book was great. There's also, um, uh, let me think. I, I appreciated that they included single parent, more than one single parent family. Um, they also included, like, there was a lot of intersectionality, like the two dad families, also a family of color, um, and thing, things like that, that I, you know, overall just really appreciated. Uh, and like I said, the extended family too was really nice. Um, and, and I love the, you know, including your friends and as your family, because I love that conversation, I could open a conversation up about chosen family. Um, this book just like hit all the right marks for me. Mm-hmm. Like usually with family books, I'm like, well, they could have done this or they could have added this one or, you know, like, for example, I talk a lot about families, families, families by uh, Susanna Max Lang, which I like, but like my big caveat with that is they're animals. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's always like, I feel like with family books, there's always something where I'm like, but, 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 and this has no buts for me. <laughs> mm. um, so I really, really love it. If you can get your hands on it, uh, definitely do that. Um, the like, my only room to grow is I was like, you maybe could have even had more incidental inclusion. Like, I don't know, push it even further. But like, they did a great job. Um, that's always my caveat for books that I like. I'm like, I don't know, push it further. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, I really, really love this book. Um, it's And there's also, I mean, of course, it has to be like the dad with kind of a dad bod. But there is like a dad who's like, you know, kind of like a little chunky of a person. Which I appreciate like mm-hmm. we could you know it could women can also be people of size but like all right I'll take it right um oh and there's a red-headed person I was mm-hmm. through the pages I'm like is there any ginger representation <laughs> there is it's where at the end right oh yeah the there is. The oh yeah you're right and there's another there's one two three four gingers wow I mean, that, that might be overrepresentation. Come on. <laughs> well, there's one one family where there's a mother and two kids who are ginger, and then there's the kid mm. in the on the cover. Oh no, there's another little girl as well in the back. It's really sweet. I like the like the the colors very bright. Like the yeah. art is um just very um I don't know the, the word cute is a terrible word. It's to like use. very cheerful. Yeah, that's a good. That's better than cute. It is. It's very cheery. Yeah. I yeah, like, like you were saying, the colors are without being like punching you in the face. They're just like mm-hmm. very like bright, but not like you know like yeah. ah hard to look at bright. And the dots um, in the eyes are hearts, but it actually works. Like it's nicely designed. The dots in the eyes are hearts on the cover. Well, at least on the cover that I see. Oh, the dot in the eye, the letter I. I thought you meant the eyes of their. Oh, gosh, yes, every person's eye is actually heart. <laughs> I was like, what? They're cool. Like all creepy. <laughs> yeah. I went through so here's a fun Seth fact. I went through a phase in middle school where I dotted all my eyes with hearts. Just like Stacy McGill and the Babysitters Club. Yes, exactly. I don't know what actually prompted me to do that, but I did. I changed my handwriting a lot. Like I would force like basically I can write in fonts. Like mm-hmm. I have like different fonts in my brain and I can like shift how I write. Um but yeah, I would just like sometimes change how I wrote. <laughs> interesting yeah i don't know so if they did those like you know you know how you can like tell how someone's writing if like they're aggressive or like, i was like i wonder how they would tell because i'm like 
forcing me myself to write a different way. Like yeah, unless I was writing naturally. Handwriting analysis is definitely yeah. a solid science, right? It is. Listen, <laughs> I learned about it in a Nancy Drew video game. Therefore, it is true. It is true. <laughs> But anyway, those are my two books. Um, yeah, I really, I think it's it's nice because like one is more, like I said, it's more like a story about the family and then one is more like about all different kinds of families. But as far as the books that did feature like step families, this was my favorite. Um, and then of course, I do like families, families, families. Uh, but, you know, I, I would I would read this one over that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And yeah, I'm trying to, I know you said that you had a trouble kind of like tracking it down. And I'm looking in um, like my distributor to see if I can get my hands on it for our little shifter book boxes. Um, and I don't see it. So I'll have to find out how to. Yeah, maybe, maybe contact the publisher. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's it's really great. I highly recommend it. Um, and also like nice to have a board, you know, a board book. It's sometimes it's kind of hard to find diverse board books, I feel like. Um, because they tend to be about more, I don't well, you know, like right. simple simple concepts um but like you can have simple concepts and diversity (laughs) exactly well this this is um also a counting book right like mm -hmm. it like that has that extra layer um which is very valuable well that's like with um what was it the abcs of uh equality was it equality Mm -hmm. yeah right yeah i always want to say diversity um but anyway with that book as well right it's like an abc book and but it has you know more uh complex concepts and like i like that because like there it says like a is for whatever and then on another the other page like on the like it's like um, a two-page uh spread Mm -hmm. on the uh, opposite page there's more information so if you're reading with younger kids you can just read a is for this and go b is for this and then if you're reading it almost like scaffolding where like then if you're reading with older kids they have a little more attention span then you can read the blurb on the other page um and so i I, that's what i like i just i guess all this to say that like you can a you can talk about more complex concepts with younger kids and b it can still be like f is for farm and the farmer can be like a person of color or like a person with discipline like right it doesn't you know it it can be uh those kinds of board book you know simple topics with still inclusion and diversity yeah the incidental representation that we love exactly uh but anyway i'm excited to hear about your books yes i'm excited to share them um and before i do so i'm going to stand up because i'm going to go and grab one off the shelf because i really forgot to grab it so i'll be back (laughs) the moment you got it okay hooray going to apply some chapstick okay Mm-hmm. very important i just need to say that i'm uh while you were gone i was on american eagle because i need new jeans mm-hmm. uh and i selected not ripped because i don't like ripped jeans i'm not paying 50 dollars for jeans that are already ripped i will rip <laughs> them myself um and uh it showed me four pairs of unripped jeans and one pair of ripped jeans and i'm like your filters are broken also once you get to size 16 they don't do extra short anymore and i am offended Hmm. when i was a size 14 they did extra short and then they were like sorry you must be tall if you're that fat seth and i'm like how rude i can be short and fat you leave me alone (laughs) i have i have uh intersectional identities right support me well that's the same thing like like 
I, you know, I am like a chubby person and like I, so I wear like extra large, uh, usually like men's, I'm like a larger extra large. And sometimes I can wear a women's extra large depending on how tiny they make their clothes. Uh, and it's just like, oh, what was I going to say about this? Oh, because like all of a sudden, if I'm wearing an extra large shirt, it's like the longest, it's like down to my knees. And I'm like, I can be short and fat. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Like, it's rude. It's yeah. rude. Clothing. So, Clothing is such a nightmare. Oh my God. Always. Oh, and they don't even have my size. How dare they? <laughs> I'm offended. I'm just mad. I'm a short, angry man. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I'm trying to do like a capsule wardrobe for some of okay. my like sleepwear, you know? So I got like three pair of one pair of sweats because I'm like, I don't want to have choice. I just want to have the same thing to put on every night. I, I'm tired of making decisions. Like yep. I have decision fatigue. Um, so I'm slowly trying to get like my mom gave me a shirt. She's like, this didn't really work for me. It was too long. And I was like, I like it. I'm going to go online and I'm going to buy four more of them. <laughs> like this is, which <laughs> <laughs> just sucks because I used to be, you know, I like in the springtime, I have all sorts of like dresses and vintagey, you know, mm-hmm. things. Um, and off, I'm not a very complicated dresser. So I was never mm-hmm. doing like, you know, uh, it was all just like shift dresses, like simple, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, now totally. I'm, just not, I'm just not inspired. I'm like, I just yeah. not even have to think when I get dressed and I want to look like decently professional, but also feel good. Yeah. It's clothes are so hard. And especially like I found like as a chubby person, it's just like so hard to shop because like they're either like, I'm at the point where like I am in most stores like I am too big for like a woman's extra large because I mostly shop in the women's section because they have fun clothes Mm -hmm. Uh, like literally the most exciting thing I found so I went shopping yesterday I happened to be downtown to pick up those books and uh, I was like oh I'm downtown I can like go shopping because I need more more clothes and the most exciting thing I found you know what here I'm gonna show you because I can video you in the men's section was this shirt that has like a floral pocket (laughs) which like I like but like that was the most exciting thing they had Oh, you know like which i got three of them because now i'm my mom who i used to make fun of for getting like four of the same I shirt said i was gonna do the same thing <laughs> and i got three of the same shirt in different colors because i can't find anything that fits me and i like at the same time it's either ugly and it fits me because they're like oh you're fat so we don't care if you look nice um or it's like you know it's like something that i like and is like for a tiny you know it's an extra large for like i don't know barbie the doll like i have no idea who that's an extra large for like seriously it makes no sense um like i was at the like i was like who is this who is this for like no 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 it's it's oversized for someone who's a size zero that's right like yeah exactly large on that person makes no sense oh my gosh but then in the men's they had like 3xl and i was like what why why do you have this size in men's, but you don't have this size? Like they don't even carry over an extra large and they barely had even ex- any extra larges. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's totally, it's fashion is. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, that's, uh, yeah. that's my rant about fashion and why I'm mad, yeah. but I do have this cute floral pocket now. That is a very cute floral pocket. <laughs> I got a purple one and I can't, oh, the other one's black, I think. And it was in the men's section. Mm-hmm. that's really I mean that that detail is unusual and very cool yeah well floral is getting more popular is it with, with men's yeah with like men's like dress shirts and stuff hmm. 
It's getting more. It's been for a couple of years. It's been kind of like in style. Right. Men right. can do oh. flowers now. I know, right. I mean, who would have thought like, I know. Men can have <laughs> Which is so funny because like, um, in the like our entire system of like botany and like the Linnaean like uh, tax taxonomies and everything, mm-hmm. it's like, totally gendered and totally like like fallow centric. Like it's all. Oh yeah. It's funny that they're like no, but this is the woman's sphere. But we name it, and we we're the ones who understand it. But women can like arrange it. Women can do the <laughs> women can cut flowers and make bouquets, and wear floral. So break down, break down those barriers. Oh my god. Also, side note, why do they even make white pants? Like who can wear white pants who? and not get them dirty? Who only, is this person? Only the wealthy. Are they on a yacht? Yeah, exactly. Only the wealthy. <laughs> they just sit there and like I don't know. Liquids and eating only celery. <laughs> that's really funny because we had celery in one of our boxes this week and i was like gross and i took it out because um, i'm poor we don't eat celery i don't know <laughs> um my sister i i actually don't really care for celery but my sister mm-hmm. started growing it like on her mm-hmm. farm and i realized what i don't care for is like nasty grocery store celery because through it it was like salty and del- like the, the celery yeah. itself, like the minerals it had absorbed from the soil it was delicious wow um yeah like it was a crunchy snack that i actually enjoyed and it was crisp and didn't not stringy and yeah so anyway well that's good to know yeah i don't like the stringy it's gross so if you ever see celery in a farmer's market you mm, maybe try it maybe give it a try yeah yeah, that's good to know. You said your box. Did you get a CSA box, like a farm? Oh, uh, we um, I, I used to do that back in Brooklyn, but I get we get like one of those meal subscription boxes. Oh, okay, yeah. Which one are you doing? Are you doing uh, uh, they? So it's one that's only in Montreal, and it's called Chef Cook It. I love it. We've been with it for years. Amazing. Yeah, I really love them. I like tell everybody to do it. Also, they have great promo. I mean, you can't use it, obviously, but like they have great. Hey, anybody in Montreal, if you want my want my referral code, um, they have great promo codes that are like basically you you can get 50 percent off your first box and any size box. So just get like the biggest box for like whatever, 50 bucks or something. Give that promo code out right now. Yeah. What's that promo? I'm going to get it. (laughs) Keep all this this 20 minute long ramp rant. Keep it in. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm I'm now uh advertising for Chef Cook It. <laughs> they don't know they don't it. Money. They owe you a free box for this they do. advertising. Uh, Shall I tell you about my books? Yes, please. Okay. So I have two titles that I want to talk about today. The first is kind of an honorable mention because it's a chapter book. And I know mm-hmm. that we are pretty picture book focused here, although I did mm-hmm. the Babysitter's Club once, which was <laughs> kind of an honorable mention. And we also referenced the Babysitter's Club again today. So there you it's go. True. Um, but the this this book that I want to talk about that features blended family, a blended family um, as kind of a um, an integral part of the plot. Um mm-hmm is called it was written by Zilpha Keatley Snyder who is one of my all-time favorite authors her Mm. writing style is just um wonderfully immersive uh I was thinking about it and it is um I know you talked about one of your books this week being a little bit like not super plot heavy 
Mm-hmm. And hers have a, and again, this is a chapter book. Hers are beautifully plotted and there is always a plot. It's a, and it sometimes it's a fairly high stakes plot, mm. but um, she spends about the first two thirds of the book, like just giving you insight into the world that these characters are living in. Mm. So it begins with foreshadowing to kind of give you a sense of what the book is about, but then you mm-hmm. get these vignettes of, of this I mean, it's all building in a really sophisticated way. And there's little kind of foreshadowing and little touchstones that help to kind of build the mood. But it's not a traditional story arc. Um, And I I love these characters and I would go with them anywhere. Like in the (laughs) second book, they go to Italy and you get all these amazing vignettes about how they found the home that they decided to live in in Italy and packing for Italy. And it like sounds like mundane to read about but I'm I've since I was a child I'm just riveted by it um, <laughs> and then of course there's there is a kind of a high stakes plot in that particular book because they all get kidnapped but um, oh my god <laughs> in this book like Rapunzel yeah it's exactly uh, <laughs> circle back um so this is the first in a series of books about this family in her Stanley family series as it came to be called and it's called the headless cupid and it was written in 1971 and published oh, by Athenaeum, um, or maybe, sorry, 1972 by Athenaeum, um, published simultaneously in Canada by McClelland and Stewart Limited. Um, and uh, it was illustrated, it has a couple of illustrations throughout by Alton Rabel. And Zilpha Keatley Snyder um, ended up living in Sonoma County, which is where I live. So also reading about the way she describes the setting is very familiar to me. Um, the way she describes like oh. uh, just where these this family lives and where they walk and go, going to crossroads to find um, different herbs. Um, it all felt very much relatable. Mm. But I think it is something she writes so beautifully that I think anyone could appreciate it, even if they don't live in Sonoma County, California. Um, And so the premise of this book um, is that a, a boy, our, our protagonist is a a boy named David, who is 11 years old and he has three little siblings and a father and a new stepmother. So his father has married Molly, who's an artist and they have all moved to this big old dilapidated house out in West Mm -hmm. Marin County. Is it haunted? Um, Yes, it is. I knew it. But we don't. Uh, okay. uh, let's let's say that it's um it is uh it is it is and it isn't. Um, okay. So okay. the house uh the uh, the 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 story begins with the arrival on the scene of his new stepsister Amanda, and so Amanda has been living with her father or visiting her father for kind of a prolonged period of time. Um, and is not thrilled. He lives in Southern California. He's like in one book described as a wheeler dealer PR man. And now Amanda is leaving Southern California and like leaving the city where she and her mother lived in an apartment to come out to this big old dilapidated house with all of these new step siblings. And she is um, not thrilled, which David realizes very quickly. (laughs) And, um, the thing about Amanda is that she is studying the occult. 
So mm. she is studying to be a witch. Love it. Um, and so the story uh, is the, the big ch- first chunk of the book is Amanda um, teaching, like taking on David and his siblings as her neophytes. So putting them through all of these initiations so that they too can begin to study the occult with her. Um, And it's, and it is, and I don't want to give too much away of the plot, but also you get all of these fantastic vignettes of the children having to do things like don't touch metal for an entire day, wear a reptile on your person for an entire day. Um, and you, but you see, so the story is told through the eyes of David and he's very, um, he's a pretty tuned in kid and he is seeing kind of the impetus for some of these trials that Amanda's putting them through because the person Mm. she's, she's really testing her mother and testing her new stepfather Mm -hmm. and really pushing back against this situation and just trying to kind of make life hard for everybody. Um, But it's woven. All of this is done very, um, it's a very tell show. Don't tell sort of a book Mm -hmm. and reading it as an adult, you kind of get a different layer. You see the layers a little bit differently than when I read it as a child. Um, Although David is pretty, uh, he's pretty tuned in. And so you as the reader are also kind of tuned in to what, to what he's realizing over the course of the story. Um, But then a twist occurs when they all learn. Um, So an old man comes um, because there's some electrical work that needs to happen. And he says, my father is the woodworker who actually did a lot of the work in this house, including the, um, including the staircase. The banister is this very um, intricately beautifully carved banister like this man came over from the old country and and carved this banister <laughs> as a thank you to this wealthy landowner who had gotten like gotten him work or something i know i'm giving a lot i'm going i'm rambling i could just talk no, about no 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 um, and the title the namesake the headless cupid the cupid um is a it's featured on the banister there are these little mm-hmm. cherubs holding up these like um you know, balls at the end caps of the banister. And one of the cupids is missing a head. Okay. Mm. And this man says, yes, the, the banister is in very good condition. Like I'm going to come and, and, you know, breathe new life into it. Um, Just, you know, let's, uh, I'll, I'll arrange to do that at some further date. And then he makes mention of the cupid without a head and mentions that that was done by poltergeist. It turns out that this house was a famous haunted house with a poltergeist who did all sorts of mischief, including cutting the head off of this Cupid. You hate to see it. And when Amanda learns that there used to be a poltergeist, um, it it follows that maybe this poltergeist will be revisiting the Stanley family. Uh, So I'm not going to give away any more, but this is a, a, a book that really does feature the... Um, the work that's done by all parties when a family blends together um, and some of the frustration that can come around that. And also Mm. like um, just that whole process of how a family forms when it's, when it's reforming, when two, two families are becoming one. Um, So it's an important premise for the story and it drives, it's a, it's a motivator for both, for 
for particularly for Amanda. But um, then, of course, David is also reflecting on what it means to have a, a new older sister when he's been mm-hmm. the oldest for so long um, and a new stepmother. And uh, yeah, it's just a fantastic, fantastic read. Um, Sounds good. I want to read it. Oh, yeah. I love all of them. So and she, she wrote The Headless Cupid and then she wrote um, The Famous Stanley Kidnapping Case back in the 70s. And then Ooh. she came back and wrote two more stories about the about the Stanley family, I think, in the 80s or 90s. So. There's four, four in all about this family and they're, they're, um, I don't want to say hijinks because these books are very like quiet and introspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lot of, cause David is kind of an introspective kid, Yeah, um, but they do get in some interesting, um, situations, <laughs> situations. That's a good part. Yeah. So that's the headless Cupid by Zilpha Keatley Snyder. Mm, and that's it. my honorable mention. Um, and the other book that I wanted to talk about today is a picture book. It is a picture book told in verse. So it features 20 narrative poems. Um, and it is called, let me get all the right tabs up. It is called, (laughs) Oh brother, exclamation point. And it is written by Nikki Grimes, um, who is, I know that name. So Nikki Grimes wrote a um, a novel in verse called One Last Word. Hmm. Um, she has written a lot, but that is one that really is got a lot of acclaim and won a Boston or a Boston Globe Horn Book Award um, for it is about the the poets of the Harlem Renaissance. Hmm. Um, and she also has a memoir. Um, I don't know why I know that name. Uh, I don't know. She's a poet. Um, she also is included in a lot of anthologies. Mm-hmm. Um, and she grew up in, she was born in Harlem and grew up all around New York city. Um, she was a, she was in and out of the foster care system. Her mother, um, I read, I saw in an interview that she did, um, that her mother was, um, like, uh, had, was diagnosed with schizophrenia and um, also um, alcoholism. Um, so she, uh, Nikki was often um, in and out of foster care. Um, but she also like from a very young age, really latched on to books and also to writing. And so she did her first public poetry reading in Harlem at 13 years old. Oh, wow. um, and so she has always been like, she's really a, a masterful poet and for example, in the, I don't know a lot about poetry, but I do know that poetry <laughs> is often much more sophisticated than I realize upon, mm-hmm. it, right? Um, and the, for example, One Last Word, this novel that she did about the, 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 sub, the subtitle is Wisdom from the Harlem Renaissance, is done in a form called a golden shovel, where you take a line or lines from a poem that you admire and then you use each word in that line as the end word in your poem so it's like you're you're using your complicated yes and you keep the end words in order and you give credit to the poet who originally wrote the line so like it's very sophisticated you know what that reminds me of i mean in a very different way but it just reminds me of have you ever done a found poem um, tell me more. Okay, so basically, I learned about this when I was in high school, I think, or no, college. 
Um, basically, let's say you take whatever. It can be uh, an old a newspaper clipping. It can be uh, a page from a book that you're not using anymore. Right? Rip that out. Um, uh, on the, if you if you know you have a problematic book that you don't want to use anymore, it's a great <laughs> thing to do with it. Um, basically, you kind of skim through it. You don't really read, and you underline or circle every word that stands out to you. So you just mm-hmm. kind of like quickly flick through with your eyes, and you're like, okay, this word, this word, this word, this word, and then you write down all those words and you can kind of add some words to it, but you make a poem through the words that you found from whatever this was. Mm. And it kind of reminds me of that. Um, yes. But, but I love those kinds of things where like, right. If you read the poem, you wouldn't necessarily know that this is how it was done. Um, but I love those, those kinds of ways of poetry. It's really neat. Exactly. I know I, um, I've, reviewed for the horn book a couple of different like novels and verse and one of them included information in the back matter about each of the different types of like poem that was included and it was just mind-blowing like like Mm. is there's so much um poetry there can be so much structure to it right and it is like it can be this very intricate sophisticated I mean all of it's always sophisticated right yeah but you know this very intricate complex form and then working within that, um, yeah, it's 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 masterful. Um, so yes, so Nikki Nikki Grimes is an amazing poet, uh, and so she says, um, uh, yeah. So she went interested in speaking about her first public poetry reading. She says, uh, when I was thirteen years old, I gave my first public poetry reading at the County Cullen Library in Harlem, New York. It was a perfect venue for me to officially kick off my life as a writer because the poets of the Harlem Renaissance, including County Cullen, were a huge inspiration to me as a young Black poet. Um, mm. So I just, I love, you know, I love including a little background about these, about mm-hmm. these creators. Um, and then Mike Benny, the illustrator, um, he lives in Austin with his family. I didn't get a ton about his background, but he presents as a white man. Um, and he's done, he kind of has a signature style with kind of oversized, like his, um, his characters are, he has done a lot of um, like athletes. I think he's illustrated a lot of athletes huh. and illustrated um, with kind of big oversized heads and really expressive eyes. Um, you'll recognize his style if you look at it. And the book that I want to talk about today, Oh Brother, is the story of, it's told from the perspective of a boy who has just, um, uh, his mother has just married or isn't um and he is getting a new stepbrother. And so I'll read the first poem. Um, in the book is called Oh Brother. And it says, um, Mommy remarried and won me a brother. Don't need one, I said, but thanks anyway. Guess what? She ignored me. Chris moved in today. Yeah, I, I, I looked at this one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so you see everyone is smiling. It's like, you know, they're all throwing the confetti and rice. Uh, and, uh, and you see this new brother, Chris, with a big smile on his face. And then, um, Xavier is like, just no thanks. Scowling over at this, at this boy. Um, I'm being I'm being shown a Lego creation really. Ooh. 
Oh, there's no video, sweetheart. This is oh, okay. You put the video on. I want to see. All right, hold on. Let me see if I can do this. Oh my gosh, you're gonna see me. I look okay. like I look like speaking Fine. Of Lego. I, I want to see Legos. Senator Palpatine. I don't know. If I can <laughs> video. Uh, video. Oh, there's my video. I see. Okay. Wow. Baldroid bodies here. General Grievous bodies there. These are the Baldroid arms. If I open this, they're going to come down to here. And the Baldroid heads are in this purple container. Whoa, that's so cool. Battle droid, like, creation station. Is that what this is? It's where they are assembled? Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Thanks for sharing, Mom. And if if all the bodies turn into Baldroids, I'll have one, two, three, four, five, six. Six Baldroids and two General Grievouses. That is uh, quite a collection. But there's still three Baldroid bodies that I need the heads for. Right. Okay, go on. Go go. keep working on that while I, while I finish up our recording. Thank you, my love. Can we keep that in? <laughs> you could. <laughs> I think that's important content that the listeners need. Uh-huh. A little bit about battle droids. Uh, yeah, keep it in, cat. Keep it in. Um, okay, so back to O Brother. And so yes. um, this, it like I said, the how do I want to how was this? this? So there's varied rhyme schemes. There's some internal rhymes, but mostly mm-hmm. it's like um, kind of just narrative poems. So not a lot of structure to the rhyme scheme. But um, so then the second poem is called Trouble, and it says three is company, four is a crowd. Mommy glared at me. I said that out loud. I had my reasons. Things were just great when mommy, me, and stepdad-to-be would go out on a date for dinner or movies or when we go alone, cruising video arcades, two men on our own. Then one night he brings his son Chris along. The earth lost its axis and spun around wrong. Um, And so quickly, so he is reflecting upon, you know, how this new person has entered the scene um, and his main gripe with his new stepbrother. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I actually, I like this one too. I'm going to read this one. Um, it says uh, two. this, oh, let me grab it. This poem is called mouse two new bodies carving up my space, four new feet stomping around this place, two new voices ringing through the house. There won't be room for me unless I turn into a mouse. Um, and I appreciated that, particularly one year into quarantine. I was like, oh, my God, yes, all the bodies, all the feet, all the voices. Like, so much time that I used to be able to spend alone in my house working. And now there's just so many people here all the time. Um, and it's a little, like, you know, like, it's a little bit clunky to unless I turn into a mouse. Like, I, I it's it feels a little forced, right? Like, there's a little mm. on the nose. But I also think that kids can really resonate with those sorts of, like, metaphors and similes um so i uh, overall while there are a couple of of things that i feel are a little clunky um the general turns of phrase throughout this book and the the arc of the narrative Mm -hmm. and um and kind of the some of the imagery i think is really powerful um Mm. Like he talks about steps, like everyone's a step now, stepmom, stepdad, stepson, mm. like thinking about like um, 
climbing up all these steps and getting to the point where like he's in charge. And I just think about that <laughs> feeling like you don't have any agency in the situation, yeah. right? like these decisions that suddenly you're going to inherit this, this new family mm. is kind of forced upon you. So I appreciated that, that thinking there. Um, and he talks about like, they walk to school. Like I'm never calling him my brother. He doesn't even know how to spell my name. Like he takes one route to school. I take another, like we are not on the same page at all. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then one of my favorite spreads is the poem is called play ball and it's a double page spread. And you see the relationship building between Chris, the new brother or not the new, they're all new to each other, but you the <laughs> boy who is uh, Xavier's new stepbrother and he is outside and he's on his back and his, and you see um, uh, Xavier's mom with like a baseball t- style shirt on, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and it's about, I know the type. Yeah. <laughs> so it's called play ball and Chris is outside and he is, you know, I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, okay. Nikki Tell Gr- me. Nikki Grimes' uh, turn of phrase is much better than my like summary of her turn of phrase. So I'm just going to read it. Um, <laughs> it's Saturday. Chris is outside, burning up home plate, skinning the brick wall with his fastball. Flat. He's mad at my stepdad, who's busy pushing papers, not on the pitcher's mound. But wait, mm. what's that sound? It's mommy, spitting into her mitt. Come on, let's do it, hee-ho, she says. Chris ducks his head to hide a smirk. Uh-oh. He's in trouble now. What? You think I can't play? Listen, I struck your dad out three times in a row at the company picnic. That's how we met, Heho. He had to know who this girl was showing him up, so come on. Chris tossed her a curve, then wham! She zinged that ball back so fast it knocked him on his... Well, I watched the screen door, smiling at Mama, proud. Um, so I like this. Cute. I like this poem because... Um, uh it gives some backstory right it like gives Mm -hmm. the the, uh the meet cute for the parents and it shows the relationship that's building between stepmother and new stepson um and then xavier is watching um you know so he has a lot of frustration about this this these new additions to his family or particularly this new addition in the form of his stepbrother but um I like the way that this is woven in. It shows him as the observer kind of seeing these other relationships build. And I think that that's uh, like a critical piece of the puzzle. As these Yeah, other- absolutely. Yeah. Like I think in um, the book, uh, now, now I'm blanking, in, uh, in The Ring Bearer, the book that I spoke about earlier, we're like sort of seeing the aftermath of like them already bonding. Like it's clear mm-hmm. that like, they already have a relationship. And I think it's also important to see like that formation of the relationship, right? Like there's different parts uh, to this kind of journey and transition. Um, and I think it's important to sort of see all the parts. I think often the part that we see is the, the sort of, well, kind of like the beginning of this book where it's just like, oh, this is new and I don't like it. And I don't like this person and what's happening. Right. Right. And so it's nice to actually see kind of the whole arc yeah. And I, and right. So I guess this one is a little bit more traditional and that it is the, the conflict is yeah. this new family that I'm not super on board with, but I like, I think what makes this novel is that it's told in verse, right. And it's told, it features um, a, a family um, uh, like Chris and his father pr- pr- present as black men, black, like, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Xavier and his mom, 
present as like Latinx. Um, it's not mm. given specifically, but like she uses like um, like some Spanish words. His like mm-hmm. he calls her mommy M A M I spelling. So like it's like there's a lot of representation in this in this book. That's and Nikki awesome. Grimes is a black woman. Um, so right, so right, it's it's a more traditional conflict for a a story of blending families, but um, I think there's some stuff that makes it really stand out. Um, whereas, right, so the ring bearer is more the conflict is like, oh, can I do this job well? With like that being a metaphor for can I be a brother well or can I be a, mm. a child well, right? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think there's room for both of these on the bookshelf. Um, but I'm going to go uh, give you a few more, a little, a little, little more a little bit more poetry analysis. Um, so after this double page spread of play ball, where you see Xavier witnessing this relationship forming, like these conversations, you get a little backstory. Um, I think then it is, it's intentional that the next two poems are the most structured, like the most traditional, mm. it's the A, B, C, B, right? So the line, mm-hmm. second line and the fourth line rhyme. So it's called perfect. So this one, so there's perfect where he's really, Xavier is really articulating what is frustrating him about Chris. And it's that Chris is like, like being the golden boy. It says, I know he's up to something. I've watched him ever since he started taking on my chores, like mommy's little prince. Like so, and he goes on about all the way that he like is finishing his homework on time. He's going to bed Ooh. early so that when Xavier goes to bed, it's like he's going to bed late. Like he clears <laughs> the table, so he's articulating in this really structured way. Like this is what this is what bugs me. And then <laughs> as a companion to that is the follow up, which is called Showdown, where basically he they have a like a he tells him. He says, um, one night we're nose to nose, fists tight. I glare at Chris. No dragon breathes as no dragon breathes as hot as me. I've had enough of this. I'm sick of Mr. Perfect. Just be a normal kid. I can't, Chris says, then rubs his eye. What's leaking from the lid? Oh man, don't do that, Chris. Look, all I'm saying is I'd sure like you a whole lot more if you weren't such a whiz. Unless I'm perfect, whispers Chris, my dad might go away. Normal wasn't good enough to make my mama No. Uh, Objection. Too sad. So then you learn, like you get, you learn what Chris is experiencing, which is like, I lost my mom. And it's a little bit unclear whether his mother passed away or whether his mother left. And it's just mm-hmm. not about his life because it talks about his, the next poem is called, um, like, uh, Oh gosh. Uh, Chris says his mother is like a ghost. So mm. he has this, he, this, uh, let me see if I can get it. Hold on one second. I want to make sure I'm getting the title to this. Um, so it's unclear. Dream mom, dream mom is what it says. Chris says, this, and it's a very short poem. It says, Chris says his mother is like a ghost. He only sees her in his dreams. Mm. And so it's possible that Chris's mother has passed away. And so you're getting like this, this revelation of of his perspective and where he's coming from as he joins this family. 
Um, and that's kind of, you know, those two more structured poems with that ABCB format are kind of the, like the climax, I guess, or the, you know, the climax of the, uh, the conflict. And mm. then you have the more exposition about Chris's mother, like that experience, what happens at bedtime. And then you get kind of the change. So it's like part of me thinks, so um, Chris calls Xavier's mother, mom. And it says, he's ready to own her now. Part of me thinks that's okay. Part of me wishes he'd, he'd go away. So you see mm. like his, Xavier's changing feelings um, and his own relationship with his father. There's a poem about him speaking with his father and kind of reflecting mm. on how it's better now that his parents are not together. Mm. Um, and then you see the boys kind of bonding through a pillow, like pillow fights and talking and laughter and like Chris teaches Xavier how to hit a ball. Um, and you see, Xavier, uh, then he catches Xavier, sorry, Xavier catches Chris practicing how to spell his name, how to spell oh. it right. Um, and yeah, so you just see over these 20 poems, you, these little snapshots, these little vignettes, you really see this really complex arc where you get a little bit of perspective of, Everyone except for Chris's dad is a little bit in absent in some ways, but I think maybe that like he's absent when he, he's not showing up to play ball with his son, you know, like, I don't know. It's like, you just, you just get, it's amazing yeah. that so few words and so little like exposition can give you mm-hmm. such insight into these families. This every, every member of this family. Right. Um, and then at the end, they are the, the mom and dad announce that they're having a baby and they're going to move into a house that has more space. And then we get to meet the baby. Um, and I like this, this poem, a new song. It says, after this year, I've learned one thing. Our family is a song we sing and we can add new notes anytime we like. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, And then the last poem is called Pact. And it says, Chris and I decide no matter what, we're brothers and Mm -hmm. nobody leaves. And that's the end. I love that. Yeah. Um, So thank you for letting me walk you through the journey of this book. Yes. Um, No, I love that. Yeah, I over the course of time, I'm not someone who's who's typically drawn to poems or you know stories in verse, but I've really come to appreciate them. Yeah, Um, and I'm the same way. Yeah, and I just want to share one thing that um, that Nikki Grimes said in an interview. Uh, She said, "There is a surprise in poetry with the image, with the last line that you're not looking for." prose rarely offers the same kind of surprise and as a result it's touched your heart before you even knew it was coming hmm. so yeah well, I love that <laughs> and it's funny because I started I looked at that one and I started reading it and I like didn't even finish it and was like ah I'm not feeling it um, probably got to, to op- the mouse right? 
you read the mouse and you're like, that's a clunky, that's a clunky. <laughs> yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't even know what like made me, what turned me off. Maybe it was like the the narrative that I was just like not looking for that same narrative um, or something. I don't know. But it often happens that like I'll kind of dismiss a book and then you'll bring it to the table and I'm like, oh, you like bring it in a different light. And I'm like, OK, I like it now. <laughs> you had to talk me into it, but I like it now. <laughs> right. Well, and that, that's hard, right? Because um, there are those books that you want that you just want to pull off the shelf and you want to mm-hmm. read read you know and there's books that kids are drawn to and want to reread but um so this is not you know right so this is one that maybe takes a little more intentionality around Mm. around appreciating what's happening in it um I think there's a lot of rich like rich exploration to be done and um like using this book in a classroom, I think there would be a lot of opportunity to to do really deep character dives and also like really examine how mm. each poem is structured. Um, yeah, and I, I also really like it in the sense of like, like we often get a book from one perspective and we're only, you know, we have our, you know, kind of unreliable narrator. <laughs> right and then like we get someone else's perspective like getting that other perspective is like you know it's also a good lesson in like you know think about other people and how they're feeling too in a situation right and like we were saying you can pull off you can pull one of these board books off the shelf and it's a counting book right so you're like Mm -hmm. reinforcing that like that little academic strategy like that little that that skill um but also including that incidental representation like by by what type of book it is and who's pictured like in the same way you might not necessarily choose oh brother by nikki grimes to do like a huge poetry unit on in a classroom but why not right like why not choose a book that's about the experience of blending families together and like is written by a black woman and features like you know a black and latinx families and right? Like, like it, yeah, like it takes a little more work to see how to use this to talk about all of these different, like, literary things as well. Mm. But choose something, don't choose, you know, uh, two paths crossed in the woods, right? Or or like, you know, like, don't choose someone like some old white person or any white person's canon, choose a book written by an author of color, choose a book by a creator you wouldn't expect who features um, a storyline that you wouldn't necessarily expect um, and use that as your, as your poetry unit. Yeah, absolutely. I think whatever topic or thing that you're covering, you can find someone from like a marginalized community that did the work, you know, Exactly. Um, the work unless beautifully. it's unless it's like European history, I don't know. Um, even then, <laughs> right. they were there. It's funny. I'm like thinking about. I'm like on this box about like you should use this. No one would ever think to use this as a in a poetry unit. And then I imagine it's like in you know the uh, <laughs> New York's like literary curriculum, like ELA textbook. It's like. Uh, so I, I I should I should do more research before I before I yeah, right. assume that already getting heralded, but I had never heard of this this book before, kind of um, you know seeking it out. So 
<laughs> I think more more folks should should take a look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna take. I see. I took a second look at it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and those those are all your books, right? Yep, those are my books. Yeah, this was like I said, this was a tricky one. I think to find good quality books for, so we went with a little bit with less is more. <laughs> well, exactly. We wanted to we wanted to feature the best, the best of the best, not just yeah. every book that happens to include a blended family. Yeah, absolutely. And so here at Rad Child Podcast, <laughs> over-, over quantity here at Rad Child Podcast. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I definitely. Well, you know, if you're looking to write a book, you fix, have this experience might be a good good one to write. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, next uh, next time we're also featuring a topic that is tricky to find books for. So, <laughs> oh, get excited for that one. <laughs> we'll do it. You can count on us to find something to add to your bookshelf. Oh, yeah. We will dig until we find. <laughs> no, we ha- what we haven't done recently is like a scathing takedown of the normal, mm-hmm. you know, like the most common books. Maybe we should know. look at some of the common books and do one of our scathing critiques. Our, oh, hell no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. What was? Oh, there was one recently that I was thinking about that I really didn't like. And now I have to write them down. Well, I, we try to be positive. Oh, my my mic attacked me. We try to be positive here. Uh, you yeah, know. Once in a while, an oh, hell no corner is warranted. Yeah, it's true. We need it for our mental health. Just be like, no, yes. I don't like this book. Oh, what was it? There was one book that everybody kept recommending. I don't remember what topic it was for. And I was just like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> Stop recommending it to me. No. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, the, oh, man, my, my latest struggle was I was so I think people kind of got confused by my question. I was looking for like, I don't know how I phrase it, maybe like diverse Saint, books about St. Patrick's Day. And what I meant by that was like, I understand that St. Patrick is Irish. Wow. And I understand that books about the folklore and Irish history and things like that might feature Irish people and that Ireland is, you know, full of a lot of white people. What I more was looking for was like stories about modern day St. Patrick's day celebrations that featured different kinds of kids, right? Like, like how to trap a leprechaun is one that I found, right. That features all different kinds of kids, like things like that. But people got a little, got a little up in arms. Like I'm from Ireland and there are a lot of like up until recently, it wasn't very diverse. And I'm like, okay, that's great. That's not what I, I didn't come here to fight about Ireland. Right. But also, like, I mean, yeah, I get it. But I imagine that there are black people and like uh, Latinx. Not everybody is like a ginger. Right. I, I mean, probably. You know, I don't know a lot about Ireland, but I know that there's like a lot, you know, in the UK, there are huge, like, diverse immigrant populations and diasporas so yeah so i i don't know but people got a little weird about it and i was they're like what do you mean by diverse and i was like what do you mean by diverse? like what right it was just weird but anyway Jeez. the only book no the only book that i ended up finding i couldn't get my hands on so we're just reading this one well one book that a lot of people recommended me uh recommend to me was called fiona's luck which is oh. about like yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, so I um, got that one. I haven't actually read it yet. It, was it is actually possible that Ireland is just like deeply, deeply homogenous. That's what they were saying. This is currently what 
Ireland has a majority of white Irish as 94.1% of the population. Yeah, they're almost like Japan. Japan's like 99% Japanese. Wow. Other white is 9.1. Oh, wait. Yeah. Asian, 1.9%. Black, 1.4%. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's what this person was saying who's from Ireland. And I was like, no, no, no. I mean, more like modern day St. Patrick's Day books, not like. Or books about the St. Patrick's Day parade in Boston, which is a very diverse place, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was, well, because I kind of wanted a combination of sort of like Irish folklore and like things like that. But it was so hard to find books. And I got this one book that was just like, it was called This is Ireland. I like returned it. I hated it because it wasn't like a book you could read it was a book with like a bunch of facts all over the place and i was like i don't want that it it was a picture book yeah Yeah. but it was just like i don't think i have anything like that because i hate books like that um you know it was like book with facts all over the place what did i hold on let me find something real quick oh no i never mind it's in my bedroom but i got these little books they were like four dollars each they're great because i'm doing like around the world with the kids Mm -hmm. the week after well actually having in next week i'm having surgery so i'm off for two weeks and then uh i'm having just like a surgery on my nose but they need to take a rib graft because the last time they did surgery on my nose they fucked it up and used all the cartilage so now they need to take cartilage from my ribs um yeah so like i'm i'm gonna be in recovery for two weeks but then after that i'm doing like around the world with the kids and uh so i was trying to find like for the couple of countries that i'm doing um i was trying to find books and uh this is why i spend a bajillion dollars on books i have a problem um but anyway between like them and the podcast like forget about it i literally just while we were talking i bought another bookshelf from ikea um (laughs) because i'm running out of room (laughs) there's i just have piles on the floor now like oh my god um but anyway there are these little ones that i got that were like great that were just like a little like snapshot of the country but like in a way that you could read to a kid not just like here's a blurb here's a blurb here's a blurb here's a like how do you read that you know it was almost like an like a uh atlas or something you know what i mean like i don't like boo seth why are there three books about farting leprechauns I don't know why. Okay, I just googled like children's St. Patrick's Day books. Okay, and you got three about farting There's leprechauns. One called Liam the Leprechaun loves to fart. There's one called Lucky the Farting Leprechaun. This is and there's another a third called Larry the Farting Leprechaun. Like why <laughs> the thing? also i want like jeff the leprechaun why do they need to start with l's all leprechauns have l names oh wait i'm gonna write jeff the leprechaun oh yeah lucky larry and liam and liam you're right Fuck that yeah oh we're still recording <laughs> <laughs> i forgot to shut off the record hey. okay oh no no there's another what? lucas there's four books, books about for- well this is great bonus content or just the end of the episode i don't know <laughs> oh you know that that's what we should do we should just review each of these books and talk about <laughs> who is the better flatulent maker liam the leprechaun oh, i am i am appalled this is not my jam not my jam <laughs> oh, oh, here's, here's bert bert the leprechaun oh i like that bert the leprechaun baker though we still have to get that oh. in there somewhere okay all right leprechaun skin of hobbies it's fine oh, oh, oh. 
Um, I, I guess I'm going to stop the recording. <laughs> I don't know if we had a proper, well, well, no. proper sign off. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll do one now. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. This is this is a fun and silly time we have. Nice. <laughs> Bye. Remember, stay rad.